So why do I call myself the nonpartisan evangelical? Is that because I just want to give both sides a lot of hell and really rip them on a regular basis and this side this day and this side another day? Or is there a, a deeper meaning to all of that? I spent some time talking about that in a Facebook Live this week and here I wanted to make it into a podcast. I think it's a season where God is asking his followers to hold up a mirror to themselves, to their heart, and say, what is coming out of me these days? And where did that come from? I think God wants us, evangelical Christians, to change. And then maybe we can point our finger at the rest of the world. But right now we're too busy throwing out the accusations at everybody else and defending ourselves that I think we're missing what God is asking us to do in the season. Thank you for joining me on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast and listening to what I shared as a Facebook Live this week about why I believe nonpartisan evangelical means pointing my finger as a mirror at our people. And I don't spend time pointing a finger at the other side saying, hey, you guys are bad too. And the reason I do that is because I didn't see Jesus do that in the Bible. Listen into this podcast as I explain at npepodcast.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb. And calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Hi gang, it's Paul. I hope you can hear me okay. I'm, I'm in my car. My son is doing physical therapy, so I thought I would take the moment to, to share today for the nonpartisan evangelical and uh, just share some things that are on my heart that have been going on. And one of the things we're going to talk about is why I call myself the nonpartisan evangelical and, of course, then the Christian response to Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris being named the vice presidential pick for Joe Biden. So, but first, let me say happy anniversary to my wife. Uh, we celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary yesterday. And some people are asking, what, we, what are we doing to celebrate? And we're kind of a funny couple. On our fifth anniversary, we got a new couch. And so yesterday we had that couch carried out of our house and a new couch put in on our 26th wedding anniversary. So that's our gift to each other, a couch that we can sit together on. And so happy anniversary to my wife. And I posted today that she just changed my life in ways I never, ever, ever could have imagined. So happy anniversary to my wife. Also, I want you to join our NPE Patreon community. That's how we do our, our financial support for the nonpartisan evangelical. So if you like the message, go to the website, npepodcast.com, nonpartisan evangelical, npepodcast.com. Click on that Patreon button in the upper right corner and subscribe. 
I am finally starting to record the audio of the book again. COVID kind of knocked me off of it because I had people all around the house all the time. It made it tough, but I'm going to start recording the audio book again of my book, Joseph Comes to Town. I know it probably looks backward on the screen. Maybe I don't know. But that's my novel, Joseph Comes to Town, When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. My imagination of what Jesus would say were he in the flesh on earth today about right-wing evangelicalism. And you may enjoy reading that. Uh, so go to uh, Nonpartisan Evangelical, npepodcast.com. Click on the Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner and join us. So recently, and, and this actually happens on quite a regular basis, I have somebody say, well, Paul, you're not very nonpartisan. Why call yourself the nonpartisan evangelical? And, and that's because they just misunderstand the purpose of what I'm doing. The opposite of nonpartisan evangelical is partisan evangelical. That's what I'm speaking against. I'm not here to equally hit both sides of the political aisle. Like Jesus didn't hit the Pharisees one day and the Samaritans the next. No, he said Pharisees religious people, good people of culture, you get your act together. You clean up your house, and then you can point a finger at those other people to clean up theirs. Uh, the Pharisees were a group of religious people, very politically motivated. Their goal was to make Israel great again. They believed that God's purpose was for Israel, their country, to once again be the military and economic power of the world. And the only way that could happen is if their religious system was politically in charge of the country. And does that sound like any other religious people that you may know around? And so Jesus' point wasn't to say, Pharisees, you do this wrong. Samaritans, you do this wrong. Tax collectors, you do this wrong. Prostitutes, this is where you're bad. Wine bibbers, this is where you're bad. No, on a daily basis, he stood up and said, that religious system of those religious people has to change and is wrong. And that's my job. That's what I feel like God has for me to do, to, to come and say, evangelicals, here's a mirror. Does your political agenda look like the life that Jesus led when he was on earth? And does that matter? Should we care if what we're doing politically doesn't seem to line up with the way Jesus lived his life? I actually think it does. I think it's the most important thing we need to be comparing ourselves to. But as I hold up that mirror, it makes some evangelicals very unhappy, very uncomfortable. And so often what they come to me with is, why are you not criticizing the other side as well? And because that's not my job. That's not what I'm called to. I'm called to talk to our people and say, just like Jesus said to the religious people in his day, if you guys don't first humble yourself and pray and turn from your ways, things aren't going to go well. And I think that's the message for evangelicals in this season. Let's examine ourselves and change our ways. Then we can start telling everybody else what they should be doing. But instead, I feel like we want to be completely absolved of any responsibility. We're always looking for ways. Yes, maybe we're going to be upset that we stole gum when we were 12 years old. But anything that damages culture or is divisive in culture, we look for ways to blame everybody else but us. Our partisanship is hurting our culture, evangelical church. And not only is it hurting our culture, it's hurting our voice. There's this amazing story in the book of Isaiah in the Bible where Isaiah sees God on his throne in heaven. Whether he really was there or it was his imagination, I don't know. It's just an incredible story. And he saw 
God in the, this God of the universe in all this splendor. And he said, oh, crap, my stuff that I'm bringing into this is pretty ugly in comparison to this amazing picture I'm seeing. And that's what I want to do to evangelicals today is, is show you this picture of who God is and his relationship with humanity. And for us to say, oh, we may be bringing some stuff into this relationship that we're not supposed to bring. And the thing about Isaiah and that story that was great is that when Isaiah realized he had brought some of this ugliness into that relationship, the Bible says fire from heaven hit him, that, that he had this transformational experience where he let go of his stuff. And he said, I'm all in to be the way God wants me to be. And once he did that, then he was qualified to speak for God in the story. And I think the evangelical church, if we were willing to go through that transformation, look in the mirror and say, what are we bringing into our relationship with God as shown by the personification of Jesus' life on the earth? And we're willing to be honest about that and own it and repent of it. As it says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if God's people will humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, seek his ways, and turn from our own ways, which the Bible calls wicked ways, then our land can be healed. Not if we get the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the Samaritans to change. Not if we get to those people that we see as sinners to change, will America be healed. No, when we repent of our mindset then it can be changed. So that's the mirror I'm trying to hold up. And if I spend a lot of time, well, okay, let me tell you what's wrong with the Democrats and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Then, then the people just do like they did in the book of Amos. Yeah, go get them. Go get them. Yes, we're with you, those sons of bitches. Let's get them. And that gives us freedom from our own sin. That's why I have people uh, posting on my page today the term racist. That's, that's the evil one today. That, that Black Lives Matter, they're the evil ones today because it gives us freedom to give ourselves permission to not take responsibility for what's happening in culture. And that's the mirror I'm trying to hold up because ultimately when we see God's mercy and his glory and his splendor in heaven, that should make us say, "Ooh, I'm bringing some things into this relationship that aren't good. And I'm going to examine that and get it out. But, but we're so opposed to doing that right now because we've been under the influence of this mindset of law and order, of religious partisanship, of Republicans going to save us, of a strong presidential man raising up to be our Messiah to save us, that we no longer are willing to hear any input outside of that bubble, because now we have schools that teach us that, churches that teach us that, media that teaches that, even our own stores. We've created our own subculture that will never allow us to encounter anybody different than that. Thanks for letting me interrupt the podcast here. I want to tell you about a couple of things we have going on. One of the things I want to do is I, I want to hire a social media assistant. I, I really want to spread the message of the nonpartisan evangelical. And we're going to be doing a lot more cool things with some of our spiritual gatherings and some different things of video series. So I need help. And of course, help is great and help costs money. And so I need your help to get help. And what I would like is to have a whole bunch of people helping a little bit. 
Now, if one person wants to help a lot, that'll be great. But if I get a bunch of people helping a little bit, that'll be great too. And the way you can help a little bit is join our Patreon community, the nonpartisan evangelical Patreon community. Patreon's a website that helps creative people get for-profit support at their website, patreon.com. And our website is slash NPE podcast, nonpartisan evangelical NPE podcast. Or you can just make it really easy and go to my website, npepodcast.com, click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner. For $5.99 a month, you start to make a difference for us financially. And you can go the $12.99 level, get the free autograph book or uh, a whole lot more. All of you at $5.99 get access to the audiobook series. But mostly what you're doing would be helping me spread the word and grow the message of the nonpartisan evangelical. So I'm asking people to sign up at the $5.99 a month level. I would love to get 100 followers at the $5.99 level. That would be money that could help me hire help. That would put everything out on social media, push it, grow our brand and our message, and allow me to really spend more time on writing, planning, and putting together the content that we need to get this message out that God is not mad at the world And he wants evangelicals to maybe reconsider how they think. So would you help? Go to the website, npepodcast.com. Hit that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner and sign up, at least at the $5.99 level. Or if you choose some of the other benefits, you can go at a little higher level. But no matter what, I will love you and be grateful that you're our friends at the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. The website, again, is npepodcast.com. Thanks for being a part of this great thing that we're doing as something new springs up in this season in the church. Now, let's get back to the podcast at npepodcast.com. So, so I'm trying to be the one person inside the evangelical bubble that makes you encounter something different. So when you say, well, why aren't you saying bad things about both sides? I'm just trying to be a mirror to partisan evangelicalism because I think it's destroying people inside the church by saying you have to be angry about this, 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 and this. That if you're not to the extreme of wanting to criminalize women who are seeking abortion, then you're not godly. You're not quite on the right side. If you're not extreme in your stance on transgenders in military, which I heard one prominent Christian writer saying, that's one of the reasons America's falling apart. I think those are things that God is way less worried about than we are. What he's more worried about are the two commandments that Jesus gave us. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, and in that are contained all of the law of the prophets. He didn't say, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and hate this list of sins. If we start to build relationship with people that we previously had called evil, maybe they'll want to start hearing our reasoning of what we're trying to do. But right now, all they hear from the church is that we hate them. And we say, no, we don't hate them. Love the sinner, hate the sin. But I'm talking to people out there in the world every day. And what they hear from you, evangelicals, is we hate you passionately. 
That may not be our heart, and that may not be what we want our message to be, but evangelicals, what the world is hearing from us right now is we are angry, we are divisive, we want to win, we want political power, and thus because of that, we hate anybody that comes against that. Don't believe me that that's our message. Here's here's a post from a, a Christian on Facebook yesterday. I'm just going to read it straight out. It says some things that probably I wish didn't, but this was about Kamala Harris as Joe Biden's VP pick. It says, was anyone surprised that Joe Biden's pick for VP was Kamala Harris? I don't get this. Democratic Americans wanted him to pick a black female, and Kamala touts herself as a black person, but her father is Jamaican and her mother is Indian, so how on earth are you, the Democratic Party, allowing her to pass herself off as black? Why on earth are you guys embracing her as a black female when she is not? Right off the bat, my first question is, why does that matter to you? Black Lives Matter hasn't mattered to this point. All of a sudden, it's a big issue. Come on. What would Jesus say about that? What did he say to the Pharisees when they brought a feigned self-righteousness? Talks about her privilege. Talks about an accusation of her having an affair with a man she dated many years ago. Evangelicals, this is what the world is seeing from us. Not a message of an awesome God sitting high on a temple that when we get in his presence and love him, it starts to change us and transform us and make us better. What we're hearing is you're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for us. You're not following our political agenda. And therefore, we hate you. That's what they're hearing from us. And inside the church, people are hearing... I have to adhere to that or I'm not quite as Christian as my friends around me. And what spurs me on from day to day as the nonpartisan evangelical is like a private message I got yesterday from a young man who said, my dad and I have really been going back and forth on things. And the young man said, I read your book, Paul. Joseph comes down. Let me do the plug. Joseph comes down. He said, I read your book. I've been listening to your podcast, reading your blogs on NPPodcast.com. He said, I'm not, not ready to agree with everything yet, but I'm intrigued and I appreciate you giving me the permission to think differently than my dad and the church that I grew up in. And I responded with, man, if you told me you agreed with everything I said, I would say you're lying and that's not good. But the fact that you're thinking differently I give you permission to do that. Leticia, who sent me the message the other day and said, my dad was a brilliant man that had a chance to go to college in Mexico on a medical scholarship, but he wanted to come to America because he just heard such great things. And he came with $50 in his pocket and was treated horribly. He never imagined the subhuman treatment he would get in coming to the United States. And she said he did a great job of making a way for her, for her family. But she said in the churches they went to, they were treated as second-class human beings. We have to say, no, this can't happen anymore. I wrote a blog this week I want you to check out, and I'll wrap up with this. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, you have to clean up your act 
or something bad is coming. He said, if you can't clean up your act, you're like that fig tree with no fruit over there. And you're going to be cut off at the roots and thrown in the fire. And then as time went on and he saw that lack of repentance happening, one day they were walking by the temple and the disciples said, wow, look at these buildings. Aren't these amazing? Haven't we done an incredible thing? And Jesus said, you know what? Not one stone of that thing is going to stand on the other. He said, Pharisees, if you religious guys don't get your act cleaned up, not those Samaritans, not those tax collectors, not those prostitutes, not those wine-bibbers, not those foreigners, you, if you don't get your act cleaned up, your religious and, and, and governmental system is going to be overturned. And sure enough, later he said, not one stone of that thing is going to stand on another. And in AD 70, that's exactly what happened. Israel, its entire religious and, and the governmental system was overturned and that temple completely destroyed. And I think he, he's asking me to say to evangelicals today, if we're not willing to clean up our side of the street, not those liberals, not those Democrats, not those Black Lives Matter leaders, not those we call socialists, not those we call baby killers, baby murderers, but us, if we're not willing to clean up our side of the street, then we're like that fig tree not bearing fruit that just should be cut off at its roots and thrown into the fire. And I believe, uh, if you read my blog, it, it it's, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name now. I should have had it in front of me. But it's it says, evangelicalism is, is sick and may not recover. And something new is coming. I see a new type of community built around a, a, a search for that glorious God coming together where it's not about getting together in a building on a Sunday and then fighting like crazy if we're ever told we can't do that in the middle of a pandemic. But it's going to be about authentic love for humanity and for God and for the earth and for our cities and communities. And if evangelicalism isn't willing to repent and turn to that, then it'll be like that fig tree that just needs to be thrown on the scrap heap and will do the new thing that God has for the new season. And I think the new thing is amazing. From the, the, the search for reality of a creator in the universe that I hear from millennials is, is, um, is awesome. I get so excited when I hear them talk about it. And it's nothing like their parents' evangelicalism. And their parents get so terrified of that. Because we want our way to be right. Because we've needed it to be right for so long. But I'm telling you, the new thing that God is going to raise up as this old system is overturned is going to be great. So why would I spend a lot of time trying to be both sides when I'm looking at what can come with our repentance and transformation? That's the stuff I'm going to call out. And sometimes that's going to feel like criticism of evangelical churches and of my evangelical friends. And I have to say, so be it. I cannot help you with that. I cannot fix that for you. This evangelicalism of a podcast I watched the other day where they said it's, it's, it's acceptance of homosexuality that's the problem in the church. It's that we're getting light on sin is the problem in the church. Let me promise you, evangelicals, you are not soft on sin. Talk to the rest of the world and see what our message is. We're not known for grace and mercy and an amazing God and a self-sacrificing Jesus that gave himself for us. We're known for the things we hate and are against and are telling them they're horrible because of them. 
And that list used to be abortion and gay marriage, but now that list has become taxes and transgender and military and who goes to what bathroom and whether we wear a mask or not. We've added a whole new list of rules onto this thing. And that's when Jesus says, you're like that fig tree not bearing any fruit over there. We're just going to have to get rid of that and plant something new. That's what I see in evangelicalism today. And that's what I'm calling us to. All right. Love you guys. So that's why I'm the nonpartisan evangelical. That doesn't mean I'm going to I'm going to speak ill of Joe Biden this day and Donald Trump tomorrow. I'm not against Donald Trump or Joe Biden, to be honest with you. I'm against the spirit of evangelicalism that says you have to support everything Donald Trump does. You can say, oh, he makes me a little uncomfortable there, but yeah. No, the the going mindset is you have to support him all the way. That's the mindset I'm against. And I was against it way before Donald Trump ever started running for president. This has been growing for a long time in us. And that's why it's so hard to get out. So I understand why we're so married to it, why we're so battling for it. But let me be a mirror and say, does this look like Jesus? Is this something Isaiah would take into the throne room of heaven and say, oh my gosh, I've got to get rid of this because this looks really ugly in light of what I see in God. We've come to think Christianity means I do stand for these conservative political values. And when we compare that stance to who Jesus was, who he sat with, Okay, I'll finish with one more story. I got to stop. This is getting too long. But I loved this, this exchange I had with somebody the other day. Do you understand that when Jesus went to lunch with Zacchaeus, that was a total violation of cultural protocol. He was a rabbi giving honor to a tax collector. We think, oh, wow, he went and sat with the tax collector. That's bad. No, it was a complete degradation of who he was as a rabbi. He was giving up his entire reputation to the good community of Jerusalem. Him going to Zacchaeus's house for lunch was an endorsement of who Zacchaeus was. And then to come out of that lunch and say, this guy's the son of Abraham? I promise you, if Jesus were on earth today, he would be sitting with people that we as good evangelicals are convinced he should not be sitting with. We would bring the same accusations I get on my Facebook page on a regular basis. We would say, Jesus, you shouldn't be standing with Black Lives Matter. They're Marxist and against the traditional family, which I get that statement word for word on a regular basis. And that may be true, and Jesus would still sit with them, and it would make us so angry. Because A, he would want to show honor first before asking people to change. Second, he would want to push the buttons of the religious people so they would check their hearts in the mirror. And that's my goal. Let me be a mirror. Is the way we're living exemplary of the way Christ lived, or have we gotten off a little bit? Okay, I got to go. I've gone too long. Love you guys. Love to hear your comments, your private messages. Thank you for all of you who have been messaging me recently. I'm feeling a lot of momentum on a lot of people saying, hey, I'm not going to comment on your page because I'm afraid to, but I want you to know that I read everything and it means so much to me. That means the world to me to hear that because I know you're out there. 
evangelicals. I love the evangelical church. It's been my life. I've given everything to it. But I want to go where God is going in this season, not where the church is going. I think something new is rising up, and it's amazing. And if we stop our fight, we'll be able to see what he's doing in the season. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just laying down my old stuff and saying, Jesus, I want to see what you're doing today, not what you were doing in 1972 with Richard Nixon's Law and Order platform. I don't want to see that come back. I want to go where the new is today. That means we're going to have to sit with people that we haven't sat with before. We're going to have to be accepting of people walking into our churches that don't look like we do, don't have the same political beliefs that we do, and we're going to have to be ready to love and accept them because in Acts chapter 2, that's what the first church did. And out of it, people loved what was happening and God added to their number daily. Okay, I'm ranting on. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.